1: Welcome everybody to another brand new episode of It's My Wrestling Podcast. I'm of course, as always, your host Chris Dees. Please, before we get started, make sure you hit follow if you're watching this on YouTube, and hit uh no, sorry, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube and follow if you're listening on audio platforms. Thank you very, very much. Today's guest is a lady I'm really excited to speak to. She's done it all, really. She's, oh man, where do we start? I will will word this in a way that YouTube will like it. She is a former adult star, a former adult entertainer. I think would be the best way to to word that. Um, Podcaster, actress, wrestler, wrestling manager, just an all around badass. She's of course the one and only Miss Jasmine St. Clair. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining me. How's it going?
2: Thank you for the intro. I really appreciate (laughs) it.
1: No, no, of course, like I say, thank you so much for giving me your time. How how are things over where you are on your side of the world?
2: Amazing. It was like it was 80 degrees yesterday, so it couldn't wow. be that bad. Right. Uh, but it's getting cold today. This is how people get sick, because when the weather goes up and down like that, you're just not sure what you're dressing for. Are you dressing for summer? Are you dressing for spring or are you dressing for winter time?
1: <laughs> well, you're doing a lot better than we are in the UK. It is freezing cold
2: here. Yeah, it? I heard. I love it though. I love the UK. Like, I loved living there. And I think UK and like Netflix, Europe has the best programming on TV these days because they're not remaking things anymore. And it's all original content.
1: You Yeah. Know? Yeah. And like movie standard content as well. Like AAA movie standard content.
2: Yes. You know, I'm still like, I still like your background of everything back there. It just reminds me of this funny story, right? Okay. I have to tell you this. So, my first WrestleMania was at the Skydome in um, Toronto. It was Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. <clears throat> a really good show. And I just, like, I haven't seen the jacket in years that I had from that or the t shirt. So, fast, you know, flash back a little bit or rewind. A few years ago, one of my storage spaces was broken into and stuff was stolen. Okay. So a few months ago, this homeless guy was harassing me. He was crazy. Um, He touched me, but then he was like blowing kisses to girls and everything, threatening to like beat people up, whatever it was. But um, they took him away. I had the police come for him. He was wearing a Hulk versus Ultimate Warrior T-shirt from that same WrestleMania. So I was really mad about that. I'm like, I bet you stole that shirt too, you piece of shit. I said, I lost. someone stole a shirt like that from me, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I just, it was just very bothersome to me that that was a shirt he had to wear.
1: Yeah. That's a bit <laughs> weird. That's a bit of a, I
2: know. weird. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Yes.
1: Yeah. Really, really strange. Hm, what a small world. It probably was. It probably was the guy who did it. Um, right? So right, I um, I mentioned at the start there. Obviously, I had a little bit of a not sure how to word about the adult entertainment, and that's that's pretty much the first thing that I wanted to ask you about because you're you're the first guest I've had on the show. Obviously, this is a, a, a wrestling podcast primarily focusing on wrestling, but I did want to ask a little bit about your sort of like your origins. So. You got into the adult entertainment industry, but then went from that to wrestling. And that doesn't seem like the most sort of like mm-hmm. natural career progression. So how how did you get into the, the adult entertainment industry in the first place? And then what was it that made you move into wrestling from there?
2: Well, I mean, you're taking a slamming just in a different way, really. But <laughs> uh, yeah, <let's> see. <laughs> um, I mean... Usually, like, that's the type of business where uh, it's like a a magnet for people from just escaping something or another where it's like, whether it's like a bad haircut, you know, issues, problems, whatever, but I um, I'd gotten into that, I think more for just, you know, sometimes I don't really think about things, I just go on things on a whim. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there were a lot of girls that were feature dancers at the clubs I was dancing at that I met that were doing that. And, you know, it was just like, it seemed like a a great way to make some money. Cause back then you didn't make the money off those, you made money from the films. Yeah. Cause it was paid way different back then, but you'd make money like when you'd uh, do appearances and stuff. So that was my whole thing. Um, I was just got sick and tired of that business. It was really Oh, it was boring to say the least, but it just wasn't where I really saw myself. You know, it's like, okay, two and a half years is pretty good. That's a good one. But like, I was a huge fan of wrestling growing up and that last promoter, the last person I worked for in that business had a wrestling company called XPW. Oh. That was a man named Rob Black. So he started his company and I befriended the Dudley boys through him. He flew me out to New York. To, um, to be on that Living Dangerously pay-per-view. Yeah. And I really liked it because there is no description. There's no word in any language, really. And I speak five of them. And I can't still find the word in any of those five languages I speak that describes the adrenaline rush and um, <clears throat> the excitement of when you go into a ring. And I just, something I stuck with because I really liked it. I was taking wrestling classes from this woman, Sue Sexton. She's an original glow girl. And, uh, you know, it was fun. I really, I I was paying for those lessons out of my own pocket. I was getting published in a few different magazines, other wrestling magazines. And I just really wanted out of the whole stupid adult thing. Like, it's just really, it's, it's different now than it was. You know, I just had a guest on my podcast who told me like, what a shit show it is now. Um, but I was never really like friends with people and that whole thing. And just, I didn't really, it never really fit in. Um, so from XPW, I went straight in, I was wrestling for Jerry Lawler briefly.
1: Uh-huh. Yep.
2: Before they found a place for me there and doing other indie shows. So when people question, oh, well, you didn't really pay your dues. Okay, that's poppycock. I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> I use that word. Uh, I lived in London, so I still picked up quite a few of those. Yeah, that's a, a
1: bit of British poppycock. term isn't it? poppycock.
2: Yeah. Bollocks, poppycock. <laughs> um, I still have family there, but I. I really liked it. I actually wrestled in England once. A couple of times, actually, I wrestled in England. Uh, it was for some British promotion. I forgot who it was. Alex. Is there an Alex Shane that worked at a promotion in England? That was his ring name. He was a heel. I know
1: the name. yeah, I know the name.
2: So, yeah, I worked there. And you know, it was really a great part of my life, I would say, because I, I don't think you could ever make up half those stories that went on, um, you know, from playing peekaboo with the iron sheet to making prank calls to him as Missy Hyatt to the point where he was chasing her around the convention. Um, (laughs) I don't think she knew I did those phone calls, but it's okay. Uh, And it's, it's really a sad thing as well um, being in that business because then you lose people, you know, I wish it was like the Kardashians or something that died instead of New Jack. Or like a Justin Bieber, because those are people who never ever contribute anything valid in society. Yeah. You know what shit music. You know, um, privilege by like running over someone with your dad's car. You know, it's just it's just they don't do anything. And like you have someone like a New Jack or a Balls Mahoney who put their bodies on the line and literally their lives for people's entertainment. Um, and I appreciate that more. And they're also two, They were two really nice guys, you know, then you have like the South Philly posse, which were formerly um, South Philly posse, formerly Jesus public enemy. Yeah, in yeah. Yeah. Then we worked together in um, XWF for Jimmy Hart. And, you know, that was another thing where you lose one of them than the other one. And it's just like your family. That's not your family and your friends. And it's really sad so that's the only downside to have been a part of the pro wrestling community: people dying and losing them too too soon. So um, I'm sure there's one big wrestling league in heaven right now, just like there's an awesome heavy metal band there. Um, but it just should have been the Kardashians, I say, or Justin Bieber
1: or, or Machine Gun Kelly, because I know you don't like him.
2: Fuck him! Yeah, exactly. Like that piece of shit. Like them, exactly them that little clan (laughs) (laughs) all
1: right i've got to ask about the iron sheik then because i had no idea about that he's like one of my favorite wrestling characters ever he just seems crazy is he crazy in real life
2: you know it could be an act because if you think about it like you could say one thing if you're sitting there at a table with someone that you know will outrage people at the next table. And I'm the queen of this stuff. I mean, I'm the whole, I'm the voice of shock culture in the 90s and that whole pop culture era. So I could tell you firsthand, you could say something to shock someone. And then maybe the people at the table next to you listen. But you keep going on and on and on because you know you're getting a reaction. So I believe that 50% of it is real and 50% of it is not real. Um I and she, yeah, shiki baby. Yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like he stays in his gimmick and his character um, who he is as a person. I think he is a, is a normal, as his real self, whatever that might be. I think he's a nice person. Um, Yeah. You want to know what I did? Those phone calls you mean?
1: Yeah. 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 Please.
2: Okay. So um, while I was growing up, not that I ever really grew up, do we ever, uh,
1: well, I host a resting podcast, so no.
2: Exactly. And I see, like, the anime and things like that. Yeah. Um, I was friends with the Jerky Boys, so I was always making – we always did prank calls growing up. And um, it's Missy Hyatt. She has kind of that southern accent, slightly, whatever it is. So uh, I call the Iron Sheik, and I pretended I was Missy. <laughs> And I was drunk. I was kind of slobbering like this. And she, uh, you know, she's saying how much she wanted to hook up with him at the hotel. And there were going to be some convention the weekend after, at the next convention. So I was at that show, too. Missy had no idea I made these phone calls. And I was at the table next to her. In comes the Iron Chic, like strolling. He's like, hey, Missy. Yeah, I got the phone call. I got to my room. We do gimmick. So I'm trying not to laugh. She's like, what are you talking about? And then she looks at me. She's like, what the fuck? I said, I don't know what he's, I don't know what he's talking about. Like, I'm trying not to laugh. And he keeps coming by. <laughs> he was, <laughs> it went on for quite some time. Then there was, I mean, this, this conversation with them was there for like a good 10, 15 minutes about I didn't make any phone calls. And he came back again. So it just, it was, just, it kept going on and on that that wasn't enough. So I called him again when he was in his room. While I was in there, from another phone, and I said, "Yeah, I said Look, I couldn't tell. I didn't want anyone to know, you know, that we're that I wanted to hook up with you. I wanted it to be our secret cheeky and blah blah blah. I don't wanted to get back to your wife." So this went on for quite some time. Wow, it was a good one though. I thought it was cute. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of many silly things. And one of many ribs I've done. I remember ribbing Missy. She was in Tampa or near Tampa, and I or somewhere. Now she was near Orlando, and she drove down to Tampa because I told her there was a, a show. But there was no show. But she's just she's still like one of my good friends.
1: Love it. Um, I love hearing little stories like that. I love the Iron Sheet because, like, I don't know how old he is now. Probably like
3: a hundred. He's
1: seventy. Yeah, he's, he's getting pretty old, but he still lives the gimmick. Like he's still in full chic mode all the time on social media, and he doesn't need to be anymore. But he's brilliant. you know
2: two things. I think someone else controls his um his social oh, media.
1: no, that's disappointing.
2: I think so, but I don't know. Do you think he? Maybe it's his kids. Maybe it's him. I just know. I knew someone that was working with him. I know once he was in a car in a garage, like in Virginia, on the way to a show. And the person I knew that was working with him was sleeping in the car in someone's garage, like a strange person's garage. They just pulled up their rental there. The person saw it was the iron sheet. Oh, it's the iron sheet. Oh, no problem. You could sleep in the car. They were going to call the tow truck company to get the car out of there. But I just think that, uh, you know, maybe I don't know if he dresses like that at home. Does he sit at his dinner table like that? It's possible. I could see that. Yeah. He's probably had a lot. He's probably sustained a lot of injuries. Like if we go into the Chris Benoit situation, which is really sad. According to some people, he had been asking WWE Vince McMahon specifically to give him time off yeah. because he had some head injuries. So at the end of the day, I feel as though. It's these guys have all types of injuries and could be in whatever delusion they're in and just get stuck there, whether they're the iron Sheik wrestling at the 19 something Olympics, you know, to whatever. And it's really sad at the end of the day, I feel as though WWE, like he has the most amount of blood on his hands. And I know that's just a fuck up thing to say, but that's what I, I, I really personally feel
1: yeah sure even as somebody who's just a fan like obviously i've got no insider knowledge or anything like that but i i I don't disagree with what you're saying i think the things that we've heard we've heard them we've not heard them from one person have we we've heard them from so many people it can't just be bitterness or anger on on the parts there must be some
3: truth to it
2: i would not i just i've never heard anything really positive Except that he's helped people's careers and jump-started them, you know? Yeah. When you watch Dark Side of the Ring, uh, I saw the one episode about Rob Black. Did you see Dark Side of the Ring on Vice?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Watch it all the time.
2: I didn't like what they said about him, and um, I feel as though he's never really given enough credit for all he did. Like, I left, uh, I left his company on really bad terms for going to ECW, uh, he and I have spoken now we're friends again, uh, we're both different people. Well, I'm not really that different. I'm just more refined. Um, but I just, you know, I really, I don't like what they said. And I think that a lot of people knew what they were getting themselves into when you work for a company like XPW it's, it's ECW on steroids and ECW is the original gangster leak and no one will ever take that from them. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> hmm, hmm. Another. Well, another promotion. Another like. I don't know if smaller is the right word, but I wanted to ask about three um, uh, PW propane oh, pro wrestling. Yes. That was My
0: company.
1: That was, yeah, yours and Bri- um, Brian wasn't it? Uh, Blue Meanie. <laughs> What was that experience like? Because obviously, like as fans, we like to sit there and think, oh, yeah, yeah, I could run a wrestling company. I could book a wrestling company. But what's the reality of it? Because the company wasn't around for too long, was it?
2: I'll tell you what it was. The reality, and I'm not being a bitch. But am I allowed to say that word?
1: Go ahead. Yeah, say whatever you want, honestly.
2: Um, hmm. So it was Propane Pro Wrestling. In Brian's uh, defense, his he did come up with the name. Okay, fine. Uh, I was the one who ran everything there. I was the one who sought out the investors. I was the one who did a lot of the bookings with Todd Gordon. Um, I was the one who got us the DVD distribution deal, the, de- the deal on Sky TV. And I, would, I was the one that got all the deals for the hotels and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, it really was my company. And I get kind of insulted when people think that Stephanie McMahon is some kind of like female wrestling promoter. It's like, no, you're not. You would, you just handed that. Um, Cause the reality is in real life, no one would, uh, no one would hire her in a ring. I'm sure. Unless it was for her dad. And I wanted to, I know that's just horrible, but it's true. I just got sick of people assuming it's, it's a tough thing. It's not, You have fans that think that, but you have to go three, four months out into advertising. Like when Jeff Jarrett did TNA, he had the right formula. You keep all your money um, in marketing and less overhead to start with, which is where that's one thing, you know, he made, that makes a lot of sense and, you know, it's common business. Um, So it was really, it was really a small family run thing. It was fun. Uh Brian would help. He would do like the flyers and the graphics and the computers and he would wrestle. Uh, but it was mostly me behind everything. And then Todd was helping, Todd Gordon, and I brought him in to help book with things and reach out to some talent, like when we had two calls cool Scorpio. Uh, it was fun having Terry Funk and Sabu, um New Jack, and all of them. But it was just, it was, it's a really tough thing. And then You get every like indie wrestler that wants to work for you. And, you know, it's like Matt Stryker worked for me. Then Talia worked for me, who's now Velvet Sky at NWATNA. Um, I was lucky to have had April Hunter work for me there. Uh, Rob Echoes, all those guys. And, um, you know, people suddenly saw, okay, yeah, well, this is actually something that's here for now. I just, okay, so this is a funny thing. So Rene Dupree uh, of La Resistance, yeah, interviewed yeah. Him the other day. So he's like, well, why did you get rid of 3PW? You know, I just got sick of all the egos. So he made this joke, oh, a bunch of wrestlers with egos? Well, yeah, of course. Um, It just got to be annoying. Like people bitching and nitpicking about a $50 change fee when you're getting paid $500. It just doesn't make any sense to me that you're going to bitch about. 50- Plus, you're selling your photos. It's $50.
1: Yeah.
2: No other indie show was paying cash. Like that. No other promotion was paying for your hotels also. So I just got sick of the greed. And then I went on to um, working, you know, hosting a heavy metal TV show. I didn't really care for this anymore. I was weaning out of it. And then uh, Meany became friends with these guys. Uh, This Mark, I forgot his name, but he wanted the company so bad. They basically like stole it. Uh, Then I sued them. And that was that, and then you know he had his accident in the ring after. So who knows?
1: Hmm. Sounds like sounds like a lot more hassle than it was worth. Then. Yeah, sounds- but
2: it's another adventure, right? It's an yeah. experience. Yeah,
1: yeah, something to say that you've done. Yeah, to to mark off the list. It's a a very very small percentage of people are ever going to be able to say that they did it. Like I said, every wrestling fan in the world is like, yeah, I could run WWE, I could book WWE. All that same kind of shit. But I, I know how
2: to do it. Like I know how to tell someone, like what, give them the ropes to do it. Yeah. The knowledge. Um, but I would never do it again. I wouldn't like book my own thing.
1: No, I don't blame you. It sounds awful. Um, it sounds like a lot of work. What about um, what about your brief time in in TNA NWA? Like you said, you were there for you made a couple of appearances. I know there was, that. Like,
2: it was fun.
1: A strip was team you was know, You had a match against Francine as well. Another <laughs> ECW <laughs> alumni. Yeah. What, um, what was your time there like because you didn't like I said you only wrestled I think you only wrestled once didn't you did you want? It was
2: to- twice it was like two or three times and then um, I would have gone back. Uh, I didn't have any problems there. Um, the thing is while I was at Meanie at that time I think he had a problem with the whole thing with uh, what was
3: it?
2: <sighs> it was some kind of issue he had so I didn't go back or whatever but I would gladly would have went there. it was fine. It was went very well. Um, Jeff Jarrett's really super smart. I, I work with like Ken Shamrock was funny because he helped me with the promo, like go over it a few times. Because when you're in the middle of that ring doing a promo, it's really scary. Um, <clears throat> I can't believe like I did that versus like when I was first in ECW, the very first promo I did at Living Dangerously, then going to that. It's like, OK, it's night and day. Uh, and then I worked for XWF after. Uh, Jimmy Hart's thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which again yeah, it was, is that's huh? another one that didn't last too long, did it? Obviously, like WCW and ECW, obviously went. Exactly. That, that that was the end of those. WWE bought them out, um, mm-hmm. and then what was what was XWF stood for? Excitement Wrestling Federation, is that right?
2: Extreme Wrestling Federation.
1: Extreme. Wrestling. What was the excitement one that I'm thinking of? There was-
2: I don't know. Maybe because of the promos we had. Like Alice Cooper did a promo. Health did a like. hulk was there i got to meet him i got to work with the road warriors jimmy hart was really fun to work with he's an amazing person to work with With younger talent um there's a lot of his like the nasty boys who else i got to meet a lot of really cool girls that work for the company um and it was fun being at universal and shooting the promos that was a fun time hanging out with uh Public Enemy because we had a blast doing that and it was funny because we were shooting a promo in the middle of Universal Theme Park and there was this lady with her kid she was like putting her her eyes her hands over her kid's eyes I guess I don't know what they were saying or I just I don't think we were cursing but uh, I got to meet Sable (laughs) she was really nice and Gorgeous George like I met a lot of people there I never I probably never would have met. And I could say I've met in my life and that's the other way you get paid in wrestling. I mean, no, we got paid, but that's the other way we actually got paid. Um, yeah. I have been working, getting back to TNA. I, yeah, I had a good experience there. Um, I heard someone said that Jeff Jarrett went around saying I was a diva to work with. So I don't know what he meant by that. Cause I thought everything was fine. Um, I didn't really talk to him that much, but yeah. Hmm. Strange. Yeah, yeah. maybe someone took it out of context, too. Yeah. It's possible, you know, but um, who knows? People just say stuff sometimes.
1: People say, say stuff for headlines, don't they? And to get people talking about them.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, look at America right now. Or just when Trump was president, I mean, people would just misconstrue like everything he said. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wait, he didn't really say that. Like, this is what he said. this is the full thing in its entirety. So I, you know, I look at things from like all angles. I don't go into just one.
1: Yeah. Social media plays a pretty big part in that, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. But I would not go on social media for my news. I'm sorry. I just won't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So many people seem to though. Um, Do you, do you keep up with the industry now? Do you keep up with wrestling in 2022? (laughs) Are you still a fan?
2: Sometimes I, I love doing the fan festivals and seeing my fans there. Um, I think there are way too many. It's just it's it's hard to keep up with it now. I feel as though the days of the wrestling superstar star is gone.
0: um i think jazz was highly
2: underused in wwe they should have used her more and they could have marketed her a little uh, like way better like where's her wrestling figure she should have had a figure and i feel like they uh they need to they need to revisit bringing back some of the classics um even as a you know in the production department or something but she she was highly underused like i stopped watching it a little while ago. Uh, I know one person, I have one friend in TNA, a couple in an AEW. I've watched AEW a few times. I think they're doing really good, but I feel as though when something comes up that fast, it kind of, it could go down that fast.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And that's just, you know, everything's gotta like crawl before, climb before, uh, crawl before you, you know, walk. XPW is coming back as well. They just did the rebirth pay-per-view. And the show is phenomenal. So I don't, WWE, I just don't, like, I don't watch it as much as I used to. Maybe I'll watch a WrestleMania, but it's like, you know, Triple H is always going to be over. You know that you're always going to see him in there. You're always going to see this one and that one. And it's just, it's too much. I, I miss the days when you had, like, the Sables, Chinas. Uh, you had Luna Vachon. And when it was actually really good, when it was more edgy programming.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. I grew up during that era. That's when I got into it. Um, I, I, You know, it's so nice to hear people um, from within the business, like yourself, talk about Jazz, because I had Jazz on the show a couple of months ago. We had a, a long interview, and she's awesome. I love Jazz. And I think they skip over her history and her, like, what she did for the business far too often. You know, she, she was yeah. a trailblazer. She was, she was, you know, she um, inspired a lot of young black women to get into wrestling as well. And um, her work in ECW as well is never spoken oh. about. And I don't know why.
2: That was the Tasmanian devil. Like I, I called her that cause she really was like, she was like a bull in a China shop when she went in that ring and hands down, nobody ever could have that. No one has that energy and she's small. So I just feel like the WWE really, they should have, they gave her the shitty end of the stick on that. And being African-American, you know, I hope that, I hope that had nothing to do with it because she could have been marketed to girls of any color, any race, um, and even to young boys. If she had her own doll, she never had a t-shirt, you know, and you can't, I mean, maybe Mark, maybe someone in marketing said, oh, from a marketed standpoint, it doesn't work. Well, it's not in that business In wrestling. It does work if everyone's marketed properly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel that she, uh, she, she could have done, they could have done more for her. So that just obviously leaves it for her now to have her own, you know, t-shirts and stuff and her own, you know, everything that they were stupid and they didn't do, you know?
1: yeah completely agree she was she was in the right place but at the wrong time she was, mm. she was there like if she'd have joined wwe in a different life obviously if it was like five to ten years later i think she'd have been a much bigger star but she went into wrestlemania as champion and the yeah. first black woman to do that and like i say it's never spoken about she was there at the same time i think it was just her jacqueline and gail kim mm-hmm. that was the only like representation the only diversity if you, weren't, mm-hmm. if you weren't a skinny little petite blonde girl with big tits, yeah. that, that was pretty much it, wasn't it?
2: It's all it was. And I mean, don't forget they had those ridiculous um, contests, Tough Enough or whatever. And when you, when you get these things, like I saw something in a casting call a few weeks ago for WWE. And this is how they're getting people, is through casting calls. What about your developmental programs? I think at NXT, I like Alicia Taylor a lot. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with her. I don't know. You know, I think she's great, but I don't know why she's in NXT. She should just really be in, like, SmackDown or Raw, you know? Like, why not? Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. The the decisions they've made in hiring and firing people in the last few years has been um, interesting, let's say.
2: Ashley Massaro, for one. That was another one they never should have gotten rid of. Um, Yeah. She was really cool, you know, and I think that maybe at one point they felt as though they had too many blondes, but that's what happens when you, you know, you hire any and everyone from these things. So, and, you know, the ones that were like, yeah, Tori Wilson, that was a fitness model, but she actually worked to be there, you know, so did Trish Stratus. Uh, What they have now, it's just, it's too much. I feel as though the women's division has become like too huge now. Yes. And they should just kind of slim it down less is more and you know have the ones that actually mean something and do something that are actually women too
1: yeah. yeah actually man that's a that's a that's a Dad. great thing bring up ashley i was really sad when she passed away because she was my favorite she she was somebody that i sort of like resonated with because that was my sort of like style at the time like emo and metal and rock and and punk Mm -hmm. she had that sort of vibe didn't she and she was a bit unique she could have been a big big star but they didn't want women to wrestle back then they wanted well they wanted women to do playboy ashley did playboy didn't she and maria and Tori and all those all those women that was the focus wasn't it
2: Mm Yeah, that was a really good point. They wanted to do they wanted the wrestler, they wanted the girls to do Playboy, not wrestle. That's a really good point. And um, you know, it's a Sable was the first one that broke that mold. She was the very first one. She was actually really pretty. And then, you know, China did it. And what the whole thing with China was just I just couldn't believe that because she was such a nice person as well and I I ran into her when she was with Triple H years ago years and years ago and they're both very nice uh but I just the whole thing just really uh fell apart it's sad
1: yeah yeah I I, as much as I like seeing China's life and legacy like remembered and celebrated it's just such a sad reminder of her last few years, like they just, once she was gone from WWE, that was it. They just sort of, they washed their hands of her, didn't they? Really, didn't I you? don't
2: get that because I feel as though she could have been inducted into the Hall of Fame on her own and they didn't. And because of, you know, whatever happened and did not happen, you get different sides of it. Um, you know, she is still who she is and really stood out. And I don't feel as though she was given the right um, the right recognition.
1: Yeah, it took way too long for her to be in the Hall of Fame. And like you said, it wasn't even her. It was as part of DX. So does it really count? I think she will go in. I think the fact that she's in there, sort of in there now, I think she will go in by herself eventually. I hope so.
2: When people grow up, maybe, yeah. Yeah.
1: Or when certain people leave the company, maybe.
2: If they do. It's hard to if you're, like, born into it or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, who knows? (laughs) Right. right, let's move away from resting. Yes. Just a minute. I wanted to talk about um, about movies, about acting, because outside of what you did in the adult entertainment industry, you've done lots of other acting, like um, National Lampoon's movies, quite a few different horror movies, loads and loads of different movies. How did you get into that side of acting? Was that just another case of knowing somebody to get into the business, or, or was it something that you really like strongly pursued?
2: Um, so I was taking improv when I was younger. Uh, Then the National Lampoon film. Um, My publicist at the time was doing publicity for that movie. And then I met them. Uh, Then I'd gone back into just doing heavy metal stuff, like interviewing bands and stuff like that, and working on different shows, blah, blah, blah. Then I got back into the acting. I lived in Norway for quite some time. Okay. While I was there, Um, I did some voiceover mostly. Uh, But I, you know, I just... I came back, you know, and I started taking classes um, in LA and New York. Then I was taking dialect classes and doing different things. So then I was working on like films and festivals that ended up in festivals. Um, Then I got booked on other things, like an episode of this show, that show, then other films. And I started following more and more things uh, going on in Europe, uh, like during the pandemic. So... Eventually, the goal is to go there and work somewhere, you know, work on something for someone there. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, working in L.A. has been great. I have a film that I'm working on next called uh, Road to Terrazzo. Then I just did another movie that came out on Amazon. It was originally pitched as a TV series, but they made it into a film called AVA, which is AVA, Twist in the Road.
1: Um I saw that. Yes, I saw that advertised not too long ago. Yeah. Well, before,
2: that was because, fun. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that out now? Has that just been released?
2: Yeah, it's been released. It's been on Amazon. And you know, I just I keep I'll just always go out for things and audition just like anyone else. Um and then, you know, work whenever there's work and then just keep up with my podcast. Then I have a one-woman show. I originally had a one-woman show called A Weird Kind of Fame, then the pandemic hit. So, September of last year I did the show, but I'm going to be going back on the road with that this year to do the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just fun. I like it. I just like that type of stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, so many people that I've spoken to on the show have had big things in the works, and then COVID. COVID just completely fucked everything up for literally everyone that I've ever spoken yeah. to. But things that, are back to normal yeah. now, a little bit.
2: Yeah, like, for the most part. I mean, I just... I feel as though the media has really like blown things out of proportion. Um, When I look in the Encyclopedia of Medicine, it says that COVID-19 is a common cold. Okay, but if you're unhealthy, then maybe it'll hit you more with other, maybe it'll hit you more like um, pneumonia. And now with the flu season and the weather changing, people are thinking like anyone sneezes automatically, it's COVID, it's probably just a regular cold. And they're all, you know, allergens, allergens in the air as well.
1: Yeah. Every time I cough, I'm like, oh, shit, this is it. (laughs) No,
2: no, no. You know, I I know people who have had it. Um, I had it. It was was on my ass for two days. It was no big deal. I mean, it's not a reason to shut the world down. Uh, But, you know, I, I just figured out while I was doing this whole thing during COVID when I couldn't do my show, obviously, I just, you know, decided, okay, maybe it's time to do a podcast. Then that came my way, so it's just a great way to expand the audience for the live shows. <clears throat> and then Vice TV keeps featuring me on the dark side of the '90s, like in that first episode. So it's just kind of like a calling in a way. Maybe it's some kind of a sign.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned the podcast because that's something that I was. Uh, I was really keen <laughs> to get into. Anybody who's been in the industry, and especially in the last few years, there's been such a massive, massive like explosion of podcasts there are so many wrestling podcasts now and it's why it's hard to really get anywhere if you're not a former wrestler or somebody from in the industry so you you could have obviously done a wrestling podcast you've you've known lots of people you'd have loads of really cool guests but you went mm-hmm. for metal instead
2: it's everything everything i i actually um i just had jazz on the show recently Oh, really? Renee Dupree, um, Damien Shadows is coming on, April Hunter. So I just, I like I like everything on the show. And then myself, obviously.
1: Right, okay, fair enough. But you, there is obviously a bit of a, a lean, more of a lean towards music, isn't there? Do you talk to your guests about music?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, we talk about music. Um. I've had only like, have I, I think I only had like one musical interview on there. But, um, yeah, we talk about music. We talk about everything, depending on who the guest is. Um, you know, obviously, when my co-host does the uh, interviewing of me on it, then we talk about whatever the topic is we've discussed before um, or what we're going to talk about. Uh, but it's, it's been really weird because I didn't know how to exactly put it together. And, like, everyone has podcasts when you look out there um so it's kind of a you don't want to fall into like being cliche or being another cliche uh yeah
1: (laughs) yeah that's what that's what I mean like when during I used to have a co-host with me there were three of us then two and then I went solo um I can't remember when it was I think it was around like April or May of 2021 my co host at the time told me that on one particular Friday there were three hundred thousand new wrestling podcasts started on that day. What? Yeah. And that's I was like, a lot. I was like, surely that's surely that's a typo. It can't be that many. Is it is it like three thousand? And he was like, No, no, he checked a few places. It was three hundred thousand who
2: is coming out with them
1: i know absolutely ridiculous and then people wonder why they're like my 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 show is doing pretty well it could be doing better it could be doing worse But i think i'm sort of like somewhere in the middle and i see loads of people all the time like oh why is my wrestling review show not doing well like because there's a million of them
2: it depends when you put it out as well and like what you're doing and um also who's hosting it you know and the type of guests you have but also yeah exactly who's hosting it too but um yeah there's so many of them out there and i just yeah i there's so many podcasts in general i just i like i listen to people's podcasts before i go on it um i'll listen to it uh you know if it's my friends or if it's something i want to listen to but i'm i'm bad with podcasts like I, i'd much rather watch a show
1: <laughs> yeah i'm the same especially like i say um a lot of the podcasts I get invited onto just, just like friends who are recording, they're like, oh, it'll be about two and a half hours. I'm like, no. Oh, I'm like, That's you're,
2: difficult. You're yeah, you can't do
1: that. I can't talk. I love wrestling, but I can't talk about it for nearly three hours. Like, I, I would just get bored. And any anybody listening or watching is going to get bored.
2: For three hours? It's
1: ridiculous. That's a pay-per-view. You could watch a pay-per-view in three hours.
2: There's a lot more you could do in three hours. You can go to dinner. You could leave. Yeah. Get in an Uber and go to dinner, have dinner, get in the Uber and come back home. And it's like two, three hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's yeah. crazy. That is insane. I've never heard of anything like that. I love wrestling, but I don't know if I could do two, three hours of it. No,
1: no I think the longest interview I've ever done was like an hour and 20 minutes. And that's because it was Al Snow and he had a lot to say.
2: Yeah, he does. He's a man of a million words. <laughs> yeah.
1: Someone like that. You're like, you know what? Take your time. Take hours if you want. I'll just listen to you all day. Just do yeah. What it. Yeah. Host the show for me if you want. Um, right, let's talk music. Because you've yes. got the podcast, you're obviously yeah. huge into metal music. What do you class as metal? Because I think there's there's always, like... If somebody says to me that they're into rock music, I'm like, okay. But but what kind of rock music? Because rock is so broad, and metal is so broad as well. So are you more heavy metal or death metal? Because I like, I like bits of sort of like... I don't know, I think I would just say metal. I think that would probably cover it for me, because I like... I I still I still listen to emo. I still like screamo, and I you know I listen to classic metal and heavy metal here and there. I love Pantera. I love Iron Maiden. I love Slipknot. It depends on what you class as metal, I guess.
2: Um, (laughs) that's like they're different genres. Ever you have black metal, extreme metal, death metal, melodic metal, uh, like Swedish melodic death metal, like In Flames and. Dark Tranquility and all of that. Um, Melodic Death Metal, like Children of Bodom. Grindcore, like, I guess, Carcass. Um, Then, I mean, if you have something like Napalm Death, that's like Thrash Metal, Death Angel, Thrash Metal, Exodus. I mean, everyone loves Exodus. You have to. How could you not like them? (laughs) Hair Metal, obviously, is the most popular one where you have like Van Halen, Rat, Dokken, and all of that stuff. I like that, but I think it's very, it's good classic stuff, but I I like heavier things like suffocation, like King Diamond, Cannibal Corpse, things like that. Of course I like uh, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, which is just regular heavy metal. It's crazy how we have all these like classifications for just one genre.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know that's what I mean, it's so broad. So I'm gonna put you on the spot then. This is probably a hard question to answer. Yes. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of leeway. I won't say your one favorite. Who are your like five favorite bands of all time? Oh,
2: God. <laughs> if you said one, that would have been like, what are you doing, dude? Um, yeah. Let's see. I'll go easy
1: on you and let you have five.
2: Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, Iron Maiden, um, King Diamond, Suffocation, Exodus, and uh let me think um (laughs) Mm.
1: tough one isn't it there's just too many choices carcass i guess see some of those like that's what i mean it's so broad i've not even heard of a few of those that you've said
2: (laughs) which ones did you not hear of carcass
1: uh, no, who was it in the... I, I can't remember the name you said now. Ex, Exodus? I'm not...
2: Exodus is American. Um, it's a thrash metal band from the Bay Area. They did that song, The Toxic Waltz. Uh, fabulous Disaster. That um, There was an album in the 80s that was really popular.
1: No, honestly, not like I say, not a clue. 80s, I like... Sorry, yes. Going into this conversation, I was like, yeah, I know my music. I know loads <laughs> yeah,
2: of Yeah, sure, no problem.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I think mine, if I was just going to go for metal, I would probably say Pantera, Maiden, Sabbath, Slipknot and Metallica. But I think some of those that's
2: not. That's new metal.
1: Yeah, new metal. It's or, <coughs> say
2: it's They it look they look like a bunch of dolls, like rag dolls. <laughs>
1: yeah. I know, I know. Pretty tame. Pretty tame compared to like yeah. metal and dark metal and all that kind of stuff. But I like um I like any music that I can sing like myself along with it. Mm. And like things like fresh metal I just don't have like the vocal chords to do it. That gives me a headache if I try it.
2: Yeah, I can imagine
1: just left that behind, but awesome. No, brilliant. i um, sorry to put you on the spotlight. No, that.
2: you're not. It's <laughs> funny. It's totally fine. You didn't do anything wrong.
1: All right. So going into 2022, obviously we've just hit the new year yay what's on the horizon for you like have you got any big projects obviously you're carrying on doing the podcast we're still sort of getting out of covid so things aren't fully back to normal i know you said that you've got the um your one woman show again but are you have you got anything big could there potentially be any sort of return to wrestling one day maybe
2: who knows i mean you never say never um i've been speaking to xpw again though that's all i'll say
1: okay very cool
2: that would be fun.
1: Very cool. Yeah. Would you want to go back in in a wrestling, like, actually as a wrestler, or is that long behind you now?
2: Oh, I would go in as a manager again. I mean, I don't – not wrestle, but, yeah, to manage again, I would totally do that or just on air doing something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. No, I'll keep an eye out for that. I'd like to see you doing it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, um, I want to I wanna round off with one, one question, and this is again putting you on the spot, and I always feel oh bad boy. for doing
2: it. we love this, go ahead.
1: <laughs> so many guests get so annoyed with me for doing it. Um, <laughs> it's probably hard to whittle it down to just one, but what would you say is like your fond... If you were to never have anything to do with wrestling ever again from today, never go back into the industry, what would be your fondest or most cherished memory or, or, or time period in the industry?
2: That's so weird, it just gives me chills. Um, ah.
1: You've done a lot, so I I imagine it's, you know.
2: I would say um, ECW and just having that first chance, that would be the fondest one, because then you really see that the world is filled with people who give people chances. And I think at the end of the day, people need to understand, you know, if someone's going to you for a job or anything or an opportunity, always think back, someone gave you a chance. And I would say it was working on, working on that first, the first pay-per-view ever for ECW. Yeah, I didn't know where, it would, where I would end up and what it would mean to me, but yeah, it would be then.
1: I meant to ask earlier, actually, when we first mentioned ECW, um, did, you, did you have many dealings with Paul Heyman? What was he like?
2: He was really nice. Um, He's very cool. He knew what he was doing. He's like, he makes a really good cult leader. I think ECW was a cult. We were all members of it. And the fans were just the followers of this cult. And um, Paul Heyman is the best cult leader. Like he's one of the best. He knew what he was doing. He had a formula that worked. Uh, He's a good businessman
1: absolutely yeah one of the best one of the best to ever yeah. do it one of the best to one of the greatest minds as well yeah.
2: yeah i mean for real he just he knows um like he knows how to he knew how to use people the right way yeah. and i feel as though there were times when ecw was like the island of misfit toys and uh yeah he would have his misfit toys there <laughs>
1: Yeah, ECW was really cool. It was really special. It, like, it felt... It was. It felt special.
2: It wasn't, like, what you'd expect. And I think the locker room there was a lot nicer than what you'd probably see in, let's say, um, I don't know, uh, WWE.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it um, struck me as sort of like, um, just like a close-knit family.
2: yeah everybody
1: looking out for each other everybody it didn't it didn't really strike me as like you look at wwe and you think you sort of see like a ladder and it almost looks like you can imagine people trying to one-up each other you know like always trying to get to the top whereas ecw it more felt like people were trying to push each other up the ladder like trying to help get
2: empower back. them sure mm-hmm. yeah. not like they were in competition really but just Everyone was trying to help everyone to make the company look good, yeah.
1: Yes, yes, for the better of the company, absolutely. No, brilliant, thank you. I'm sorry, I meant to ask that earlier. No,
2: it's okay. It's okay. I said
1: said I was going to wrap up, and then I just started asking more questions, but I love Paul Heyman. I love seeing Paul Heyman on TV. I think he is as good as he has ever been, even now. He's
2: dynamic. He really is yeah
1: yeah anything that anything that he he goes for he just pushes it to the moon i love Haman, he's brilliant
2: jasmine <laughs> it's, it's, it's yes. been
1: an absolute pleasure having you on the show like i said i don't like my interviews to go really really long so i think mm-hmm. i'm going to wrap up there i think that's a perfect mm-hmm. amount of time about 45 minutes um Bye. before i let you go though where can people find you on like social media any channels any shops your podcast and all those kind of
2: things right So the podcast is Crazy Train Podcast. That's crazy with a K, Uh, Crazy Train with Jasmine St. Clair. It's out every Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, and whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Uh, Then you can follow me on Twitter, Jasmine St. Clair, Uh, Jasmine without an E, Claire has an E at the end of it, or or Crazy Train. Uh, Same thing on Instagram, The Real Jasmine St. Clair, or Crazy Train Podcasts.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much. I'll put all of that information in the description, guys, so you can just click away and go straight over to those platforms. Jasmine, once again, thank you so much for giving me your time. I really appreciate it. We had some issues last week when we were about to record, so I really appreciate you rearranging at such short notice.
2: No problem. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, and thanks to the fans for listening in.
1: Yeah, absolutely, guys. If you enjoyed this, and I hope you did, please, like I said at the start, make sure you hit subscribe or follow, depending on where you've got the podcast from. And I will look forward to seeing you again next time on It's My Wrestling Podcast.
3: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable.